Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman time. Y'all must have forgot why we the best. People say the punches weren't really necessary. What do you mean, why were they not necessary? Because he was already knocked out at that point. But it, the referee hadn't pulled me off. And my job is to hit somebody till the referee pulls me off. So to so those people, I would say, maybe don't watch him and they go back to soccer. You know, I made history here tonight. I said on a record. It's my name in history one more time. WFAN and Odyssey.com. You guys caught me under under a bad bad time, but you know what I'm saying? The rock's cool. I like ballers. I like ballers. You know what I'm saying? But he picked the wrong side. He picked another side so he could get it too. He could get his ass whipped too. Straight up. With all due respect, he could get it too. I definitely wanna defend my 145 about. And like see, I'm gonna talk to Dana. Dana, tomorrow I'm gonna call you. We're gonna have a talk. I love you, boy. Here's your Fight Fan host, Pete Hoffman. This is the Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. You can follow me at the Hoff WFAN, at the Fight Fan WFAN. Those are the two Twitter handles. Also, at the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman on WFAN.com, Odyssey app, and all other social media, including YouTube and everything. Uh, today, right now, the podcast you're listening to, Eric Anders, middleweight, who just fought at UFC 263 and won, was victorious over Darren Stewart. He is joining the program along with Sophia Salgado, Sophie's Choice. She is fighting a ring of combat this Saturday, June 19th. It's on Fight TV. Uh, Ring of Combat 72, to be specific. It's in Long Island. Very cool. Back to live events, which is awesome. Um, again, you know, we saw UFC 263, how the, the the crowd was back, and sometimes that could be a negative because they kind of sucked. But it happens. It's not going to always be perfect. But the fact that people are there is just adds energy anyway. Um, so, yeah, so Eric Ganders will be up, and then Sofia Salgado will be a little bit later as well. UFC 263. I mean, let's just do a little recap. I haven't really spoken about it. I spoke about it briefly. Um, on WFAN.com. You probably saw it on Twitter. A little recap, but just not as... A little bit lackluster. Something about it was just not... The night wasn't as spectacular. You know, we 
you talk, you look at the other pay per views with the fans being back, and you see how unbelievable a crowd is when you're at an event, especially a, a big event like that where you have some amazing names and you know a title on the line. How the 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 crowd have the aura of the the just everything. It just it just it sets it up for an unbelievable night, and somehow just missed. I don't know if it was the crowd just was just a bunch of jerks or whatever, but like the booze came out early. It was kind of dead at times, you know. It just wasn't the best crowd. I'm not saying it had something to do with the fights. And first of all, I'm not sitting there booing fighters anyway. I'm not really booing many people anymore. I'm tired. With, I'm done with the booing. You know, even if you know someone from the Astros comes up to plate against the Yankees, the Mets, whatever. I'm not booing. I'm kind of over that. Francisco Lindor on the New York Mets. I'm not booing. Look what happened. The guy turned. The guy's turning it around. So I'm not booing anymore. Like stop with the booze. But especially at a live a live event where it's MMA, and you're sitting there, and these two guys are putting themselves out there, putting themselves the, their lives on the line for your entertainment purpose. I mean, come on, let's let's not boo. It's tough. You get in there. You 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 show off what you could do. You probably get your ass kicked in 30 seconds. But. So anyway, besides the fact that the crowd was kind of terrible, the fights were a little lackluster. They were a little boring. The there was a couple moments, you know, but nothing too crazy. I mean, obviously the biggest thing with the Jamal Hill, that that was crazy. The uh, you know, Paul Craig dislocating his shoulder or elbow or whatever it was, and that was nasty. And the fact that the ref. Couldn't figure out that the thing was basically dangling at some point in time, and he couldn't even move it if he wanted to. Um, so yeah, I, dude, it's just it's one of these things where the night wasn't the best. Nate Diaz stole the show, and it's crazy to think that because Nate Diaz got his ass kicked for four and a half rounds, but yet he would he stole the show. And it's funny because I was sitting there with some friends watching the fights. And they were entertained that the fact this guy was sitting there getting caught up left and right, still pointing, still laughing, still trying to have a good time, but he was definitely clearly losing the fight. And all of a sudden, he just gets Leon Edwards once. Leon Edwards, Leon Edwards once, tags him once, because it's Stockton Slap, left cross, wobbles him. And it's like, that's it. Nate Diaz won the fight. Nate Diaz won the night. You know what I mean? <sighs> I would have liked to have seen more. You know, Brandon Moreno was a good fight. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he was... He deservingly won that fight. He... Figueredo... Um, just was not the Figueredo of past. Moreno was the better of the two. I'm not looking for a trilogy, though. You know, clearly you had to do it because last time there was the... Uh, you know, you have that draw. When you have a draw factor, you have to have that rematch. But we don't need to have a rematch now. It was clearly Moreno with the win. And we definitely don't need a trilogy in the Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori fight. I mean, Vittori, I'm not sure if there was something that was... If he expected to just be able to lay and prey on him, on on Izzy, or if there was something else that the plan of action just did not go his way. The fact that he was able to take him down was impressive. We saw the Jan Blachowicz route that he was taking. But there was nothing of substance there. There was nothing that was really impactful. There was nothing that he did. And then Izzy was able to spin out of it, reverse it, and get out. And that was basically it. I mean, 
It was your typical, and this is where we're going to see the comparison of Israel Adesanya to Anderson Silva. The reason why is because Anderson Silva was this guy who was an elite fighter, was able to dominate his opponents, and then we got to a point where it's like he was just bored. He didn't feel like he needed, it didn't seem like he felt the need to engage fights and let the fight come to him rather than him go out of his way because he was that talented. Hey, he's the champ. You come you come get it. Well, it's almost like the same thing with Israel Adesanya now. It's like, okay, he clearly is the best fighter in the middleweight division. And there's no one really that's able to compare at the moment. That's not knocking anybody saying that you're not talented, but clearly he is the best in the middleweight division. And it's going to take a special human being, special fighter, to be able to withstand the dominance of Israel Adesanya. Robert Whitaker, he's legit. He's a great fighter. I don't know if he's going to be able to figure out Israel Adesanya. We'll find out. It's going to be a test, but we're going to find out. And that's the guy that he called out. But we're going to be at this point now where Izzy doesn't doesn't have to engage as much. He could take his time. You know, he could let the fight come to him because why? Because he's a champ. And for him to lose the belt, someone's really going to have to put themselves in a spot to really win a fight, which means they're going to have to engage and they're going to have to find a way to touch up Izzy, which is going to be tough. I mean, Vittori was able to take him to the ground. So that's a good start. But now what can you do? You know, you're finding little holes here and there, but not enough. Where's the complete fighter? That's really what it comes down to. Where's the complete fighter? You know? But that being said, it wasn't the best exciting card of all time, and the, the crowd clearly told us that. Um, There was the UFC, not UFC, sorry, the PFL yesterday. Very interesting fight between Roy McDonald and Gleason Tebow. And Rory seemed to, on everyone's card, whether you're commentating, whether it's fans, analysts, whatever, everyone seemed to have Rory McDonald up, if not 30 to 27, meaning he swept all, all every round, maybe 29-28. You know, at least 29-28, winning two out of, out of the three rounds. And, um, and yeah, no, he lost. And it was very shocking, and the judges continue to, to find ways to screw things up. And it's getting a little annoying because, you know, you see a guy like Rory McDonald, and, you, you know, he's still making the PFL playoffs, so that that's fine. I think he's fit, fighting Ray Cooper uh, the third, which is good. But you see that these these refs keep on – sorry, not the refs. The judges keep on finding ways to screw things up, and I'm not sure what they're calling it. And, again, I kind of like the PFL. I, I've talked about this with a few other people. Like, the PFL is really coming in their own. They're really – the fact that they're throwing the saber metrics out there, they're putting the stats out there, and they're coming out quick and hot in an instant. Like, that's kind of cool. It's something where, like, you know, not all these other not all the, these other promotions are doing. You know, UFC will put tallies up here and there. Like, oh, and the round stats. That's cool. But the fact that you're having, like, the speed of strikes, you know – how many how many strikes you're landing instantly as they're coming they're, they're coming you see the numbers go up it's kind of cool I like that so we shall see um what happens I mean obviously and we're happy that Roy McDonald get is, is still fighting and he's still 
uh, in the uh, tournament because you don't want to see someone like Roy McDonald get lose in a tournament for that. I'm taking anything away from Gleason Tebow, but Rory was fantastic. So I, that that just that just bothered me. Um, what else do we have? We have boxing. We have Anderson Silva. Silva. I should have brought that in. Anderson Silva, the greatest of all time. He's bo- he's boxing. Why? Well, I don't know. It's it's a pride thing, I guess, at this point in time. He's always wanted to do it. And he's fighting Julio Cesar Chavez, who I believe missed weight. He did. I don't know how, by how much, but he definitely missed weight, which is, you know, not, eh, it is what it is at this point in time. They, they, you, these guys, at this, especially in this, this stage of their career, they're not, they're getting paid anyway. What do they, what do we expect out of Anderson Silva and boxing wise? I'm not really sure. A little bit older. His striking power, I think, came from the other weapons on his on his body, personally speaking. So I think he's a, could be a good boxer, could tag up his opponent, but he's not going to knock Julio Cesar Chavez out, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to knock anybody out boxing. But we'll see. It, it'll be a, an interesting thing, and I'm going to watch it as I watch everything else and probably be disturbed afterwards going, why did I waste my time? Oh, Max Holloway versus Yara Rodriguez. That that's that's done. That's off. That's this. This that's disappointing. Looking forward to that one. I don't know what it is yet. They still haven't announced what, what Max Holloway got. What happened with Max Holloway? And that's kind of hurtful because not hurtful. It's not hurtful. It just stinks because you want to make sure the guy's okay. You want to make sure he's not out for a long term. I want to see him fight. It was a should have been a really nice fight. You want to, Yara Rodriguez has missed out on a lot of good fights. I mean, maybe this is the fight for Zabit to come in now. You know, maybe that'd be cool. Maybe it's a beat come save the day. That'd be interesting. I don't think it's going to happen. But Yarrow had this hit or miss thing going on too for a while. He, you know, he, remember, lost to Frankie Edgar. He was touted as one of the hot prospects. Got his ass kicked to Frankie Edgar. Didn't come back to UFC for a little bit. Was got basically cut. Came back um, and then performed better. You know, he got back on a hot streak, had the, some crazy wars with the uh, Korean zombie. That one fight that was unbelievable. Went to the last second for the crazy backspin uh, elbow that knocked out the Korean zombie, which is crazy. Um, one of the best knockouts of all time. And yeah, like you just want to see someone fight Yar that's on the top of his game. And Zabit is still up there. That that was a really good fight that we were looking forward to. And I, I'm not even sure if he's in the U, UFC anymore because they were talking about him. Not being around. <sighs> it is just, it's just so many fights going on. So many fights. And then this weekend, speaking of Korean Zombie, it is, what are they calling this one again? UFC Vegas 29, is that what it is? Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige. You got Alexei Olenek and Spivak back on the card. Cheeto Vera, David Grant. Cheeto Vera is unbelievable, dude. The guy doesn't get any love whatsoever, but that guy is, like, legit. Uh, Julian Arosa back on the card. We got Diego Lima versus Matt Brown. Matt Brown still kicking around is awesome. Diego Lima, uh, his brother, is in the Bellator uh, universe. And Diego, if I'm correct, came from the Ultimate Fighter. Uh... And then you got some Cass Williams is going to be on this card. Casey O'Neill. Some decent fights. And that's tomorrow at uh, 7 o'clock. A little early. Not bad. Get through the day. 
So yeah, let's get into it. Enough BSing. I know you guys aren't here for me. You're here for my guests. That's okay. You use me sometimes. Uh, Eric Anders, who is the man who, again, just came off a big win off for Darren Stewart. We're going get to gonna get into that and more and why he wasn't as thrilled with his performance. So here he is, your boy, Eric Anders. This is a fight fan with your host, Pete Hoffman, being joined right now by Eric, your boy, Anders. What's going on, man? Uh, Joe Rogan's favorite, favorite to call out for sure. Oh, man, just chilling, man. Thank you for having me. Of course. So take me to through UFC 263. Huge win over Darren Stewart. I know you said you were too, the, the happiest with how that the fight went, but it was dominating, toward, definitely third round. You definitely dominated that fight. Give me how it was going back against the opponent that you just fought and, you know, had to basically restart that fight. Um, man, you know, um, that was the first time I ever fought somebody twice, and um, especially, like, back-to-back like that. So, you know, I was kind of expecting the same fight as the first one, and uh, it was, you know, quite the opposite, in fact. And, um, you know, I knew that he would make adjustments and, uh, you know, um, do whatever, but, uh, man, just kind of listening to his interviews leading up to the fight, you know, he said that he was going to like try and stick and move and, and use the speed and stuff. So I was just kind of like, cool. So, you know, my, my, my game plan was to, uh, you know, get him against the cage, weigh on him, uh, make him tired. And then, you know, like I did eventually in that third round, you know, I was actually expecting to finish him, uh, in the third round, but, uh, didn't quite get the finish, but pretty much, uh, third round went how I wanted it to go. Well, look, you looked great, especially that third round. You definitely were dominant. Um, but you said, like, this is the first time you've ever had a back-to-back. Again, especially in a fight where it looked like you were dominating the first one as well. So it's like it's got to be a different, like, mental game of, like, I got to do this over again. It's not like it's like, oh, it was close. It was like a split decision. Well, you know, we, let's do this one this back. This is like, ah, oh, I got to go through this again. Well, for me, you know, like, the first fight was so dominant. Like, I had the utmost confidence that I was going to go out there and get a win just because, you know, I basically won the first time pretty, you know, it was pretty dominant, uh, put on a pretty dominant performance. So, you know, um, there wasn't really any pressure or any question in my mind, like, can I do it? You know, because I had already done it. So, um, you know, like I said, I, I would have liked for it to go the way the first one did, four and a half minutes, cloud of dust, I'm in and out. And, and, uh, you know, but, you know, it's whatever, man. Darren trains too. You know, he's a tough guy. So, you know, it is what it is. Well, you look at this. So, so that's a, that's technically a rematch going on. You face each other at least once Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor. That's a fight that's coming. It's a trilogy, right? So we saw how dominant Dustin Poirier was in that, in that last fight, the second fight going into the trilogy though. Connor, who is known to make adjustments when needed, he was begging for that Khabib rematch, that Nate Diaz rematch. He actually looked good, serviceable. Like, I mean, he didn't finish. He didn't knock out Nate, but he was able to go five rounds and, and one off of a decision. So you see someone like those two. How do you think Connor can adjust to adapt to what he saw in the first fight with Dustin? Um, I'm not really sure how, like, good he is at making adjustments in, uh, in rematches. You know, I think that he kind of slept on Nate Diaz the first time, and that's why he got choked out. And the second time, you know, he just maybe took the fight more seriously or, you know, just kind of respected him a little bit more. So he was out there to go out there and put on a dominating fight, you know. Um, 
I think the Poirier has the upper hand. I think the Poirier wins the third fight as well. Um, you know, he caught Poirier early in the first one. And then the second fight, um, you know, he really didn't have much for uh, Dustin Poirier. They're fighting at 55, so I think Poirier's chin is a lot better and a lot more sturdy and solid at, uh, one, at lightweight than it is featherweight. So, um, you know, Connor knocked him out at featherweight. Poirier knocked him out at lightweight. I think Poirier can do it again at lightweight. And also, man, I think people sleep on Poirier's wrestling and his jujitsu, you know. So he has more than he has more ways to win the fight. Uh, and his cardio is way better. And and he seems like he's able to adjust and figure out his opponent, do something different every time. Like we saw, you know, he Eddie Alvarez kind of had like a similar situation where there was a D, DQ situation um with, with Dustin Poirier. And I thought that Alvarez was going to be able to, to take that same fight and go the same way. And Poirier was able to figure things out and he ended up finishing uh, Alvarez. So it's like he's just always adapting. And you say, too, about the chin. Like, explain to me, because I always talk to people about that. And I never really understand. Is the chin something you can get back? And featherweight, is it really different featherweight to, to lightweight? Can you build up your chin? It's not really so much building up your chin. It's, you know, how much stress and dehydration you're putting your body through. You know, your brain, when you cut weight, your brain uh, dehydrates as well. Like there's fluid in your brain. And when you cut weight like that, you know, it's a, it's like a made for like cushion, cushioning in, in, inside your skull. So as you cut weight and you wear that thing down and dehydrate it, like your brain like doesn't have that barrier anymore. So that's why you see some guys, they get knocked out super easy when they cut a bunch of weight and they go up in weight. And then you see them take shots that, you know, we're knocking them out. Uh, at a lighter weight. So, yeah, I think that uh, Poirier is not uh, stressing his body out and doing too much to make 145 anymore. So, you know, that gives him a little bit more durability. It's not really so much that, like, his chin is literally stronger. It's just that his body can take more because he didn't, you know, put it through as much the day before. Well, you know, I'm always asking about that, dude. Like, seriously, Eric, uh, the weight cut's a necessity. I understand the reason for it. Um, But when you're going into that cage, I don't think there's anybody that's a hundred percent because you literally put yourself through a difficult weight cut. I mean, how long does it take for you to recover from those weight cuts, even if it, everything goes well? Um, some weight cuts go better than other. The first time I fought Darren Stewart, it's a uh, middleweight. It's the best I've ever felt. The easiest weight cut I've ever had. And uh, yeah, I felt great. And, you know, I looked, you know, great in that first round. So um, I've had some weight cuts that, man, were so terrible that the next day I didn't even feel like fighting, you know? So, mm. um, you know, I think it just kind of depends on your preparation, how much discipline you had, how much weight you're actually trying to cut the night before and, and things like that. Um, again, being joined by Eric Anders, Eric, your boy, Anders. Um, we also saw another middleweight fight, the, the main event. We had uh, Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori. You look at that fight, you see how Israel Adesanya is very dominant. But did did Vittori miss something? I mean, he was able to take Izzy down, and he didn't do anything with it. And is that just is that a testament to, of how good Izzy is, or is that Vittori just thinking he can win a fight by laying and praying type of thing? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, Vittori was kind of upset that, you know, after the fight, he didn't, he thought that he won or he says that he thought he won, but I thought Adesanya had clearly won the fight. Um, 
I saw yeah, Jacazy said something. He's like, "Oh, but Vittori clearly won this fight." I'm like, "What fight did you well, watch, dude?" Well, that's his homeboy. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, you come have to, on. like consider the source as well. <laughs> um, man, I think the days of laying prayer are done. Um, I'm guys just taking guys down, holding them down, not doing any damage. I think it's done, man. You've seen many fights now that you know guys on top, but you know he's not doing anything, and the other guys like don't like Camuela. Uh, Kirk versus um, uh, God, Mr. Finland. What's his name? Uh, Amir Kirwani or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, man, you know, he took him down a bunch, but Camilla Kirk was throwing up submissions, throwing strikes from the bottom, and wasn't taking any damage. So I think that the judges are looking more so looking more looking more at the strikes and the, and the damage done in the fight rather than the position now. So I think that's something to uh, consider uh, whenever you're preparing for a fight. So you're sitting, you're chilling, you're relaxed right now. You got some time off. When do you want to get back? I mean, how you're pretty much good health right now. Coming out of that last fight, yeah, I got a bunch of you know having two camps back to back and basically training. You know, I've been in camp for like the last six months, you know, for the whole half of this year. So um, I'm going to take some time off, take the summer off, and then looking for October and November time frame. Yo, come, yeah. no come November, come to MSG, let's go. I mean, we're – listen, New York, let's go. Let's do that. I don't know if it's official yet, but, I mean, we're opening back up. Like, City Field, where the Mets play, that's opening up. It's full capacity. Giants, Jets, let's go. Come on. That New York Athletic Commission, man, they're painting the ass to deal with. Oh, they are. They really and, are. And, man, they be taxing the hell out your ass, too. So <laughs> I, I'd rather fight in some of these uh, no-income state taxes. Where's, uh, where's the best place to fight out of? Oh, Texas, for sure. Texas, Florida, Tennessee, all these uh, no-income uh, state-income tax states. So, for you, it doesn't – like it. Like, I know, I've heard some people go, oh, well, New York is the Mecca, which is whatever. It's all, all your feel. It doesn't, doesn't bother you more than, like, is there not, there's not one place in particular you prefer to fight? I mean, uh, would you prefer to? I mean, look, you know, Madison Square Garden is like, that's like, that's the spot. You know, that's like one of, that's like the granddaddy of uh, all the sports arenas here in America. Yes, of course, I would love to fight in uh, uh, Madison Square. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh you know, this is, you know, you got to pay taxes. The commission asks you all kinds of crazy questions and make sure you go through these crazy protocols, before, you know, the day before the fight. And I'm like, man. What are they asking you? Man, you know, they do these, uh like, concussion protocol things. Oh, so that, like, if you get knocked out or whatever, they make you do these tests. But, to, to you know, to evaluate the severity of your concussion or whatever. And this is my last experience when I fought in Long Island. They, uh man, they gave me, like – you know, they would start off with like four objects, like keys, flour, bottle, banana. So I had to repeat these four. And then they, they ask you for a fifth one. And they go all the way to like eight. And they do the same thing with numbers, four random numbers, you know, all the way to eight numbers. And I'm like, dude, you're going to think I have a concussion right now, dude. I'm cutting weight. I'm not thinking yeah. sure y'all are doing too much. So even if I do have a concussion tomorrow, you're going to think I'm healthy because of the way I'm answering these questions. Now. <laughs> First yeah. of all, I can't do that on a good day. I've like, we've, I met DC just before his uh, Ozdemir fight. And he was the sweetest, most nicest guy in the world. Like he sit there, not, not that guy, but I had a, um, my oldest kid who was like seven, six or seven at the time. 
real cool. Let them hold onto the belt and stuff like that. But like, I can't imagine going through like tours of like interviews and media and all this other nonsense and having to be asked tons of stupid questions and going through that on top of that. Like, it's gotta be like, do you just want to punch somebody when they like ask you like dumb, stupid shit? And not for me, I, I'm just, you know, super thankful, super thankful and grateful that anybody even cares to talk to me or even wants my autograph, you know. And for me, you know, without fans, like there is no sport, you know, you, you're not no one's going to pay you to just fight. You know, of course, there has to be it has to generate revenue and who's, you know, buying it is the fans. So, you know, I always try to take my time um, with fans, regardless of how I feel, you know, and uh yeah, you know, I try to be very gracious with my time and, and uh, you know, talk to everybody who talks to me and, and things like that because, you know, one day no one's going to care about me and, uh, like, what I'm doing, how, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know. Well, are you trying – like, what – you know, you're still young, 34, still very young, especially in the sport. I understand, like, you know, it depends on how you – your outlook, you got in – did you get in very late? No, you were, what, 26, 27? I was about 24. Uh, whenever I started training, I think I was like 30 whenever I made my debut. Right. So, I mean, what is what after MMA, after the UFC, do you see something in your future as far as staying in the sport, as far as commentating, or what do you want to do? Um, man, I don't know. Um, I've been working alongside uh, Jason House. You know, I kind of think uh, managing would be really cool, really fun uh, endeavor for me, but. Uh, you know, like honestly, what I want to do is uh, get my uh, net worth up and uh, generate several streams of revenue. You know, so all I have to do is check the mail every day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, collect checks. You know, so um, you know that's that's the ultimate goal. But until I get there, I think that uh, com- commentating would be fun. You know, traveling around, watching fights, talking about fights. You know, I love fighting from the regional to amateurs to all the way up to the UFC and everywhere in between. So, uh, yeah, I can definitely see myself like commentating and being an analyst, uh, definitely managing fighters as well. What about the celebrity fights? Do you like those? Do you like the Jake Paul, Logan Paul stuff or now? Listen, get your money, you right. know, get your money. You know, if you're out there getting paid, you know, whatever, they can say whatever they want as long as that check clear. And it's got a couple zeros at the end, you know. But what can they really say at the end of the day? Hey, if Floyd helped out uh, Logan Paul a ton, dude, that guy was that guy could not last that long. He ate it worth it. Everyone's wild, and at the end of the day, eight rounds he went with with uh, Floyd Mayweather. He even held him up a round. You see that he got knocked, he got knocked down and held this, him up. This is the thing. Everybody's like, "Oh, Logan Paul, you went eight rounds with the greatest man. You went eight rounds with somebody who's twice your age, half your weight." <laughs> and uh yeah, like what did you expect was gonna happen? Floyd hasn't knocked anybody out outside of McGregor, you know, in his last 25 fights. So what makes you think he's gonna knock out a dude, you know, eight inches taller, 40 <laughs> pounds heavier, and you know, half his age? Of course not. So it's like it's not a moral victory for Logan Paul, in my opinion. You know, everybody's like, Oh, he went eight. like, come on, man. Dude, so it's not a it's not a moral victory. What it is, it's just a paycheck. Because he's he what what Floyd Mayweather is able to do is he Mayweather he's able to say listen you can't hold your own with me but I'm gonna let you walk away with your pride your credibility and a lot of money and that's what happened like he dude he went eight rounds because Floyd let him 
That's really what it was. And listen, the dude lost to a YouTuber before that. I know. Uh, what is it? KIS1 or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah dude. So I, I don't, I mean, I just, uh, I and he looked like, like crap in that too. He looked yeah. like shit in a leather one too. It's terrible. I don't, I don't <laughs> like all the talk of, uh, you know, oh, he went eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather. Man, Floyd know what he's doing. He he is showman. He out there trying to get paid. And I think he's made like five hundred million dollars off his last three fights, and all three of them were exhibition fights. So I know, dude. I got to make it. I got to do that too. I got to get some exhibitions going on. Him and him and Mike Tyson know how to do it. Listen, uh, Eric Anders, Eric, your boy Anders, joins right now. Um, you know, your first career, you know, you were trying to go NFL signed by Cleveland Browns. You did the college uh, with Alabama. Uh, but like, give me this, like what, what ended up happening to you where you were like, I just going to go MMA. Oh man. I, uh, you know, I thought that uh, like everybody knows, everybody who plays college ball um, knows that you might not make it to the NFL. And even if you do, you might not be there very long. So, like the fact of me not making the making it to the NFL, that's not what uh, what bothered me. What bothered me was, you know, um, I was living in Tuscaloosa, where just a year ago I uh, um, won a champ, won a national championship, and uh, man, you know, these people would set me up with like these CEOs of companies and this that, talking about this would be a job interview. And so, you know, we go to lunch or whatever. They just want to hear stories about how great Mark Ingram is and, you know, <laughs> how is Nick Saban. So, you know, I thought that this is what it was. Like, these people, they just want to hear stories about Alabama. And at the end of lunch, you know, uh, you know, here's here's a job offer, you know, in the corporate world, the corporate world, whatever. Now, I must have did this like 15 times. And so I, but at the end, they would always just be like, oh, well, uh, you know, we don't have any job opportunities uh we don't, we're not hiring right now or some, you know some bullshit like that so i you know i just and so i was you know i already had a, a son uh and you know i was like hammer on my hands and knees like cleaning apartments and factories and toilets and you know i was a janitor at a lab corps uh before i was working for i worked for coca-cola i did so much stuff that I just did not envision. And then I had a college degree living in a town where I just won a championship the year before. So, dude, I was just, like, super, super frustrated with everything. And then I found myself just being angry all the time, fighting all the time. So I know that, like, this is not the road to uh, the leads anywhere, anywhere good anyways. So, uh, man, I just went to a gym just to, like, blow off some steam, man. So I just did some jujitsu. And it was cool, but um, I just want to see what the hands were talking about. So, mm. man, I went, I went to a gym. The coach, uh, you know, it was just like an like a, a fighter's gym. It wasn't like a like a gym that had classes for regular, you know, regular people. Right. Which is really what I was looking to do because, you know, I just want like blow off some steam. And what better way to do that than to punch and kick things? And uh, you know, just kind of let let it out. And uh, man, I just walked into the gym, and uh, the coach was like, "Can you fight?" And you know, being a 24 year old, you know, who's already you know upset with kind of the way shit's turning out, I was like, "Hey, yeah, I can fight." And uh, man, it put me in the in the ring with with Walt Harris, who had been boxing and fighting. I had zero experience, and. Uh, and didn't even have my own gloves. Don't think I had a mouthpiece. Damn sure didn't have a cup. 
and uh, man, they just gave me a pair of gloves, let Walt beat me up. But man, that right there um, is what made what turned me on to the sport. I was like, dude, I know that I could do this. I know that I could do this. And then, uh, so you know, at the end of the day, like at the time, I was I was mad and frustrated, you know. But now I'm just like, I appreciate that because if I had settled into like the corporate world and started making good money and stuff like that, you know, I probably would have been satisfied and uh, contempt, not really satisfied because I don't think I'd ever be satisfied just sitting at a desk and you know playing Sucks. on a computer all day. So. You know, but I would have been satisfied that I was making money. I'd be able to support my my uh, my son and and things like that. So, um, you know, all that. And then, you know, we we were even living in a hotel um, at one point. So, uh, all that kind of like lit the fire under my ass. Like, man, look, if you're gonna do this, you have to be all in. So, you know, I get up in the morning, go train go work all day, come uh, straight back to the gym, train some more, and then get home at like 11, 12 at night. And, uh, you know, then I met my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, and she was uh, she saw how hard I was working. And I was in school to, to be an idiot, to get my paramedic uh, license so I could be a firefighter and then do the two-on, one-off, or one-on, two-off thing. And, uh, man, she would just see that I would just get home, like, exhausted, not even like uh, want to talk or eat or anything. Just want to take a shower and go to bed. And uh, she was like, "Why don't you just quit your job and go work at the gym?" And uh, I was like, "What, man? I got you know, I got this kid over here. You know, I got car payments. I got rent to pay. I got all this other stuff. And I can't, you know, not be making money." And uh, long story short, you know, she convinced me to. After I finished my, you know, get my EMT basic, she convinced me to just quit my job, go work at the gym, slang gym memberships, uh, you know, teach private lessons and, and do that hustle. And I, at least that way, I, you know, same hours, but uh, I'd, I'd be immersed in the gym all day. Like the environment would be different. I wouldn't be as stressed out. I wouldn't be as angry. I wouldn't be as tired, you know, and uh you know, she told me if, uh, two years, give yourself two years. And if you don't make it, then, uh, man, you can always go back to work. And, uh, damn near two years to the day, uh, I, I bought the uh, half on the top. Amazing. You, you did Walt really help push you as well to, to make the, the, the jump in like fighting and be like, give you the confidence to be able to do that or. Oh um, man, my confidence is like forever unwavering. You know, like uh, I have the utmost confidence in myself. I just knew that uh, it would take time and, and just like anything else, you know, just got to be patient with some things. And uh, we were both training at the, at the one gym. And then, you know, I realized that this wasn't it, you know, that uh, I wasn't going to get far training here. And uh, so then we went. I left first. I went and started training with uh, Chris Conley, who's had a gym across town. And, uh, like, he's really the one who provided the opportunity for me to be able to, like, kind of immerse myself. That's the gym I started working at and training at, I think. Uh, my growth and development as a fighter grew tremendously in that time because, you know, I was teaching classes and teaching private lessons. So, you know, I was always thinking and talking, 
uh, about fighting and techniques and things like this. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, kind of had to change the people that were around me, had to get rid of girlfriends, old coaches and, you know, everybody who was just, you know, kind of messing up my energy, uh, so to speak. And, uh, man, I did that and I've aligned myself with the right people, people who try to make me better and vice versa and, you know, kind of believe in my dream and what I'm trying to do. So it's, uh, man, you know, you, you really don't think about this at the time, but going back, I was like, man, I'm glad that, uh, you know, I realized that then. You know, you just hit us on that. That's incredible because you really need, you're, you're putting yourself out there every fight. You're putting your life on the line. I mean, it, it is. I mean, even though, you know, everyone's been, everyone walks away, you know, with scratches and, and, and injuries and stuff like that. But your, your life is on the line every time you go into the cage. And it really does impact how you live your life with the people that you surround yourself with. Cause I've, I've talked to many people where it's like, it was the wrong crowd, this, that, the other thing, but how do you, how did you pick and choose? How were you able to decide like, okay, this is someone that I can't, this is not going to be good for my career, my path. How were you able to figure that out and cut people off? Uh, man, you know, I, I had my dream, I had my vision, and uh, I had to be very selfish, you know, I was like, this is what I want to do, this is what I'm going to do, this is what makes me happy, so this is the road that I'm going down, and anybody who tries to pull me left, right, or back, you know, they're gone, you know, I had girlfriends, you know, who wanted my time, it was like, oh, why do you train so much, you don't have time for me, er, bye, <laughs> you know, See ya. I mean? and, you know I, and it wasn't just like, that you know it you know it was it was a process you know but um anybody who i felt like was you know uh didn't believe in the same things that i believed in like in, in my vision you know how what, how they wanted to live their life like I, I didn't i don't care you know do your thing like i got plenty of friends who were you know selling drugs and uh you know all the way up to see you know in the corporate world and stuff so you know i i had to walk down my road and you know, I'm cool with everybody, but um, anybody who tried to, you know, deviate me or get me off, off, off route, I had to cut them off and let them go because, you know, my dream was bigger than anything else. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, your story is still a long way to go because we still have a lot more fight left in you for sure. I'm looking forward to see who you're going to fight next. I know you called out Ed, Her Ed Herman. Is that someone that is that really the next target on your back or who, who, you who do you really want to fight next time? Um, man, the only reason why I said, uh, Ed Herman and Antonio Arroyo is because man, I was supposed to fight those two in, uh, like, uh, in 2020, but you know, for one reason or another, uh, man, shit just didn't work out. And, uh, with Antonio, I actually got on the scale, but wasn't able to fight the next day. So, you know, that one's been kind of chewing away my pride and my ego a little bit. So, you know, that's one that I want to, want to get back. So, um, Man, we'll see. And I know that he, uh, both those guys were supposed to fight, you know, earlier this year and their fights got to, got canceled or whatever. So, um, you know, if those guys were available in October, November, then I'm definitely interested in those. Um, are you a big, are you still into football? Are you still watch it or regular? Are you still, you know, watching games whenever they pop up? Uh, every now and then, I more so care about the guys that play the Bama and see how they're doing and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I don't think that I have a team. If I did have a team, it would probably be the, the Raiders. But, um, yeah, I, I just 
you know, that I don't – it is just hard for me to sit down for like four hours and watch a football game on, on Sunday. You know, I'll catch the highlights and stuff, but, you know, it's just – the game is just – especially now that I watch fighting all the time, it's like five minutes of action, minute of rest, five minutes of action, minute of rest. You know, in the four-hour football game, three-hour football game, there's like eight minutes of total action. I know. Yeah. I know. It's uh, man, it's just it's it's slow for me now. Well, do you are you do you consider yourself a fan of fighting as well? Like, what do you like sit down and watch the fights? Do this is all just a business to you? Oh, uh, no, dude, I'm I'm a fan. You know, uh, like I said, I watch amateur fights. Uh, there are some fights here in Birmingham this this weekend that uh, me and the fam are going to. Um, I fought Darren Stewart and, uh, you know, they didn't even let me shower, you know, but, uh, I took the elevator up to, you know, the suites and, and sat with, uh, you know, some people from the gym. So, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy watching fighting. I think it's one of the pure sports and I think it's something that even if you don't, you know, it's something that everybody wishes that they could do on a maybe even on a subconscious level. Like even when, like when I was growing up, I didn't know any boys that didn't get in a fight. You know, I just so I just think it's something that everybody does uh, or you know thinks about doing at some point. Now, listen, I, I see my, my my oldest right now has been locked in. He watched all the fights the other day. So when I told him I was having you on, he was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, he's, like, stoked about it. Like, he's locked in. He's a big baseball kid, too. But, like, fight UFC, MMA seems to be his next big thing that he's enjoying. So, uh, but, Eric, dude, I appreciate the time, man. I really do. I'm looking forward to the uh, your next fight that you get lined up. Take some time off. Enjoy it. But I really appreciate the time, man. I really do. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me. Um, again, appreciate the time to Eric Anders. That was awesome. Just, you know, he's like a really good dude. That that's what, when you talk to these guys, you just kind of see where they come from, see their background, see where they, they understand you want to see success. He wasn't as happy with his performance, but I, I, that guy, he's working through it. You can see he's going to get there. He's still young in my eyes in the sport. 34 years old is nothing. And, uh, he's got time and he can fo- Definitely find his way to uh, the top of the rankings in that middleweight division. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Let's get to our next guest, Sofia Salgado. She got Ring of Combat this Saturday night. It's her second pro fight. She's an actress. She does a little bit of everything. She's a little feisty, but uh, we get into it. Here she is, Sofia Salgado. This is the Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. We are joined right now by Sofia Salgado. She is fighting this Friday, June 9th. Is it Friday? It was a Saturday. 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 I, I am the worst with dates, so don't, so don't kill me on that. But Ring of Combat, it's Long Island. That's pretty freaking awesome. Now, are you based out of Long Island? Where, where, where are you from originally? I am based right out of New York City. I'm in New Jersey, uh, North Bergen. Um, wow. So it's, it's not far. It's not terrible. Not terrible. Now, how did you get into MMA? Because this is what this is now your second fight. Yes, my second fight uh, within five years. So, you know, I've had some time, but second fight, pretty excited. Uh, I got into it because, to be honest, it was a total accident. Um, But it was the best accident ever in my life. Um, So I'm originally an actress. And, you know, I was supposed to start filming a movie 
And the movie was actually about um, a girl fighting in the ring as a boxer, I think it was. And I went to the school um, to get free training for like six months, you know, to try to get skills because I didn't really know much about fighting. Right. Um, and then the movie fell through. Never happened, you know, disappointment. Pandemic stuff or just something else? No, this was this, this was five is, years ago. This is five yeah. years ago, right. This uh. was just, you know, maybe they didn't have enough money. I don't know the reason, but it didn't happen. And I was like, wow, that's a bummer. But I ended up falling in love with the sport. Like, I was like, well, you, you're telling me I could choke people out and it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. You know, and I, it was just like a great feeling to be able to do that and not get in trouble, you know, in a sense. <laughs> Were you a troublemaker back at school? Was that something like you like got into like a lot of fights and stuff like that back in the day? Um, well, I grew up with boys and their friends, which were also boys. So it was like I was constantly bullied by them. And, you know, just like uh, you're the little sister. We're going to bully the shit out of you. You know, <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever. But that made me grow up a little more aggressive than the usual regular girl. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily say I was picking fights. But I was definitely had the attitude of like, you know, do not step on me. Do not step over me. I'm going to do something. Yeah, I so, don't don't mess with me at all. Yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> yeah. How, and, how, how many older brothers did you have? How many brothers did you have? I had two older brothers. Gotcha. But along with the two older brothers came like four friends for each. So oh, all brothers, oh. you know, <laughs> they're all brothers. They're all brothers. So now you you're a little tougher, you say, than the, than the, than the rest than like, a, you know, typical girl or whatever you're not are you out doing you're not doing hair you're not like you know dressing up you're you're more like what you're are you more what did you play sports when you were younger yeah i uh i ran track my whole life i played basketball um i did hip-hop dancing so you know it wasn't like ballet and i did do cheerleading though but i did it more for the stunts the excitement of it rather than the cheers did it get, is it exciting to get thrown up in the air and almost, you know, being dropped on the floor? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I was actually um, a base. So when a girl was flying, I was the one catching her. And I've definitely saved some chicks in my life. I'm like, yeah, I got you. It is not, it's pretty dangerous. No, I know. I've seen the videos where people like literally get dropped on the floor. Like, what the hell? Like, that. that's like intense. You're like, you definitely broke your neck there. It's definitely slightly broken. <laughs> Did you go to camps and stuff like that or no? Um, I went to camp for running for, for running. Sure. Yeah. I ran in New York. Um, and it's very competitive, even in a camp it's competitive. What are you, what, like in a running camp, what are they doing? Are they just making you like basically sprint all day or, oh, or like, <laughs> no, I mean like they, they introduced you to all the different, uh, track activities. So like the shot put, the javelin, the long jump, the high jump. Oh, that's cool. So I got to experience all of it. And then focus on where I was best at. That's great. And then you realized track was it and track was that and basketball was another thing that you really yeah. found enjoyment for. That's cool. And then, so now you're acting. So you turned to acting at some point in time. When did you choose that route? So in high school, I remember, you know, always doing something to boost my adrenaline, always doing something stupid, you know? <laughs> and my friends were like, why don't you just get paid for that? And I was like, why don't I get paid for this? So I looked into being a stunt performer. Um, and at first I didn't want to be seen on camera, you know, because, you know, maybe a little shy or whatever. 
But then I grew out of it and I was like, well, I would love to act and do my own stunts because that's a that's a crazy combo for me. So I got into it just another random thing. I was just like, hey, my my older brother's an actor. So, you know, looking at the things that he's done, I was like, hey, I could probably do this. This is awesome. You know, you have a lot of fun filming anything. Mm. A good experience. So I've, I've noticed that, like, if you have someone else that's in the business or whatever, that's like it's whether, whether even whether they're successful, just trying to go for it. It definitely is a smoother transition for you, you know, sports wise. Like I, I have, you know, I have kids, but they're always like trying to get in the business somehow. They're still very young, but they're like my young kid is 11 years old, but he's trying to do podcasts on the regular. Like, you know, because yeah. you see people that do it. You're like, oh, I could do that, too. Yeah. So it's an easier transition. So you, you got into it. You decided finally like, you're going to get in front of the camera as well. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, what, what, boost, what boosted your self-esteem to like make that decision? Um, I moved right out of high school. I moved by myself to California. Oh, you made the Cali trip. There you go. Yeah, I was just like, you know what? Right now is the time. Out of high school, just do it. Just go for it. And, you know, starting out there alone, it was kind of like, it was hard. It was a crazy transition for me um, because I grew up in a really big family, you know, so being alone was in a little apartment was 100 percent different. And when I would go to auditions, they would tell me, hey, you're too young for like stunt stunt performing. You're too young. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're doing. Nah, you don't fit the part. And I'm here like you guys aren't even giving me a shot. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, where did you start? You know, um, so that made me have the confidence like you know what you know exactly what you're doing you're in here for a reason just give it your all who cares what anyone says the worst they say is no and it, i got a lot of no's uh that's gonna happen i my my sister my brother-in-law they were out there for 10 plus years and he did he did a bunch of films and he was a writer director and all of the stuff and and but it was it's a process it's, it takes a while you know it, it's it's never it's never easy and uh, but that's you just don't give up. That's the one yeah. thing you don't do. And you don't take no for an answer. That's that's really what it comes down to. Um, uh, Sophia enjoying uh, us right now. She's got a fight June 19th, Saturday. Fight TV, by the way. Yes, that's, that's pretty dope. Not for nothing. Um, so, Sophia, you we, we talking about, you know, getting into acting and now all of a sudden you're in, you're into fighting. There's other things in between too, like because I see some of the. Uh, you're a sports fan, or no? Yeah. yeah, I'm a sports fan. What 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 sports are you into? Are you? I saw you went to the Super Bowl. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty much more into like, hey, I'm. I'll do all sports. I'll go see them live to watch them on TV. Doesn't really catch my interest as much. But every sport is just interesting. It's just like, you know, you have to have the talent. You just, you know, it's crazy from swimming to basketball to football. All of it is you are special at that sport. And it's, you know, you could be either really great at it or, you know, move on to the next sport. Do you love avocados that much? <laughs> you know, people still ask me if I get avocados they're like yeah you still get them and i'm just like it's been years please stop asking <laughs> but uh, i, I do love avocados that much actually that was it was really good because like how many people could say they went to the super bowl you know oh yeah for the super bowl alone no question which super bowl was that out of curiosity which one it was the, the one the with philly? The, the philly one the eagles the eagles patriots yeah. very cool well that that's and fantastic my girl that was her that's her favorite team so i 
I wasn't watching football like that, but I was like, you know what? For my friend, anything. So your jersey and you, your you guys go for the 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 Eagles. Are you uh, the Philadelphia Phillies too? You close is Bergen closer to Philly? Is that what it is, or? Um, we are probably like an hour out or an hour and a half out. She was super big in Philly though. I I represent hometown, you know, Giants. All okay. right. There you go. I'll take that. I mean, they've, they've been terrible the past few years, but they're supposed to turn around. Yeah, right. It's always Joe Judge. No, well, this is, listen, I I follow very well. Joe Judge has changed the, the chemistry of, you know, the Giants, which is a good thing. You know, that's it's about chemistry. It's about it's about, you know, figuring a team. You have 53 players on the field and you have to work together and you have to really support the system that they build. And that's what it is. It's, it's a it's a team sport. Um Unlike MMA, but kind of not really, because people don't. People talk to me all the time, like, "Oh, well, MMA, karate, Muay Thai." You know, it's a, it's a, it's not a team sport. I'm like that's BS because you need so many people to help you get to where you're at. Um, so who, who's the who really pushed you to say you're good at this and we want you to compete? Uh, I'm saying my my sensei and really just all the all the students that I train with, all my you know, I'm going to call them brothers as well. Cause mostly it's all guys there. Um, they all, they all the time, anytime they see me, they're just like, yo, you're so badass. You're, you're doing great. Like you're kicking ass, all this stuff. And it, it means a lot to me, like more than people really think. I'm just like, you know what, that I appreciate it. Thank you for, for giving me that push and telling me, cause even, you know, I have doubts here and there sometimes. And even then it's like, someone reminds me, yo, don't doubt yourself. Cause you're here for a reason and you're doing great. And, you know, those people that I train with every single day in and out, which always pushing me, always. When you first started this, do you think like five years later, you're like, oh, I'm definitely going to be competing. Like, this is something I'm going to be, I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be fighting. I'm going to be, you know, making, making an actual wave in the sport. Did you ever think about that? Or it just kind of happened, progressed that way? When I first, you know, so I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I personally don't like competing jiu-jitsu because it makes me really nervous. Just, I don't know why it makes me sick, but MMA, it makes me, because I know I can give it my all with, sorry to say, but yes, hitting someone in the face, it just gives (laughs) me a push to be like, yeah, there's no way I'm not going to be good at this, you know? And when I had my first fight, I told myself, all right, it's going to be my first and my last fight. And Last year, I started itching, and I was like, "Man, I want another fight. I need to be in the cage again. I need to fight again." What's your goal? What's what's your goal out of this? Like, where do you see yourself going? Like, do you want to keep on trying to progress to different promotions, or do you just kind of just take it a one one step at a time? I take it one step at a time, to be honest, because I truly never know where life's going to take me, and I pretty much do it. You know, a lot of people do the sport with a lot of anger inside of them. I, I do it with a lot of love, a lot of passion. I do it with just for the fun of it. Like, yo, I'm having fun out there. I'm, I don't have anger. I don't hate anyone right now. You know, I'm so, punching you in the face with a passion, but I it's love not it. love. Like understand <laughs> it's love. Like I want to hug my, the person I fight with and be like, yo, this is awesome. Well, I, I don't know if you watch a lot of MMA or boxing or whatever, but after, after a lot of MMA fights, that's what they do. Yeah. Literally. The fighters after a war, they're all bloodied up. They'll go and give each other hugs. I mean, listen, some of these people are, are hate each other too. It happens. So not everyone has the same personality, but the most 
most of the time there's mutual respect. You just yeah. went, you just did something that most people don't do. And you did it for whether it's 15 for nine for 10, whatever it is, however many minutes you were in that cage in that ring for you, you shared a moment with somebody. So yeah, it, it, I, I can understand the passion side of it. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's one of my favorite parts seeing like, yo, they just kicked each other's ass and like still uh-huh. they're showing this love. Cause a lot of people do get upset, you know, God forbid you touch them in the face and then they freak out and it's like, all right, relax, relax. It's a sport, you know? Yeah. You gotta, that's what you're supposed to listen. They're, when the, when the, when the cage closes, when the door closes or you're in the ring, you know, the bell rings and you, you're, you're against somebody. They're looking to take your head off. I mean, that mm-hmm. kind of is part of the process. So yeah. you kind of have to, you have to commit to that. Cause if you don't, I've heard so many times where people will say, if you're kind of on the fence of going in and competing with somebody, you're going to lose and you're going to, they could you could hurt yourself really bad. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I mean like my mentality, when I step into that ring, my whole mentality changes, you know, like I still fight with love and passion, but it's literally like, you know, someone told me you're fighting that person. That person wants to embarrass you in front of your family and friends. So what are you going to do? And then it's like, yeah, hell no. They're not going to embarrass me. Excuse me. So I go in there looking, you know, this is war. And in my eyes, it's like, yo, if I don't win, then I died. Right. No, I mean, well, unless we don't want that to really happen, but yeah. Right. I no, but it's like, you know, in the head game. I understand. Uh, so Sophia Salgado joining us right now. Uh, you're facing Dariella Cologne. Is that her name? Yes. Okay. I don't know about the last name, but that's definitely her first name. So, so give me, because here's the thing, like you're still, it's still a, a, you know, it's, you're still young in the game, but how, how do you train for this specific fighter? What did you, what, what do you know about your opponent? What, how are you planning to approach this fight? So all I really know, you know, so in order to make this fight, uh, make it like even for us both, I am technically ranked at a higher belt in jujitsu and she is in her beginning stages. So I'm ranked as a purple belt. And right now she's a white belt with, I don't really know how long she's been doing it. You know, um, could be a year, could be a little over who knows. Um, but her school is strictly striking Mm. with MMA. Um, I mean with wrestling, my bad. Uh, so they practice striking, Pretty much every day, every day, every day, stand up, striking, striking, striking. Whether in, in, in my school, we do jujitsu, pretty much. We do stand up very rarely, but we do have a coach for that, a different trainer. So once I pick up the fight, I switch my whole mind game. I switch everything up and then I start training differently. Right now I have a wrestling coach. I have um, a kickboxing coach and then along with jujitsu and karate so you know just gather a bunch of different people that know certain things on their specialties and i train with them well the one thing about jujitsu that is amazing is that like you know for if you're going up against a wrestler if the fight goes to the ground you're very comfortable on your back that's 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 part of it so that's why i always feel that there's that's always a threat that uh that most fighters don't not they they don't recognize but where a wrestler might be like, oh, I have, I have, once I get them to the ground, once I get them to the mat, it's going to be beneficial to me. In, in mixed martial arts, you're, you're trained on your back. So this is going to be perfect for yeah. you. So you must feel very confident in that. Yeah. I mean, that, the only, yeah, I, I got no worries because, yeah, I'm very comfortable on my back. I'm very comfortable in my jujitsu. 
uh, game, I like to think that I am pretty good. You know, I'm being taught every day by really good teachers, you know, really good professors. Um, and so with the wrestling, yeah, that was our concern. I was like, you know, you get taken to the ground, who cares? No worries. So I've been working extra hard on striking because that's her top game, not mine. So, right. you know, it's kind of balances out. I'm better on the ground. She's better up top. What any rules in particular for this fight that you can't do? Or you guys use elbows and stuff. No sharp elbows. And because it's amateur, no ground and pound. So if no she's on the back, back, can't hit her on. The, if she's on the floor, can't hit her in the face. But the difference between New Jersey and New York as amateur in New York, you are allowed to do head kicks and you mm -hmm. are allowed to knee to the face, I think, if they're up. Interesting. So no elbows, but knee to the face is okay. Yeah, and like, yeah, right? And it's kind of like, what? <laughs> but okay. She's got to follow the rules. All right, listen, there's all, listen, even in UFC and, and other promotions, it's just all over the place and you can never get it right. And to be honest with you, it happens all the time where people get freaking hurt because someone forgot the rule or it wasn't explained properly. So it just, it stinks, but we're, they're trying to figure that out to make it better for everybody else. Is there any um, specific person in MMA or in combat sports that you look up to? Like, I want to be that person or they've helped me get to this point or that there's just someone that I like to watch fight? Um, I will be completely honest on someone who's motivated me to be like who I aspire to be, but they're not an actual MMA fighter per se, you know, um, my biggest, you know, motivational view on this person is, uh, Jackie Chan, you mm. know, Jackie Chan does his own stunts, does his own real fighting. Um, I've read multiple books on him where it's like, he tells him explains his life and it's just like wow like this kid really went through the most to be the best fighter he could possibly be because that guy could actually fight you know so he's someone i really do look up to yeah and he he does all his own stunts and i remember i mean the guy's almost died like a thousand times doing his own stunts broken you, every single bone right you coming from that background that's got that's kind of crazy that you that's that's the person that you look up to but it makes sense because he's a fighter slash stunt, so it, it wow, makes man. it makes total sense. It's just, that's your wheelhouse right there. You're still acting. You still did. Um, was it bitch lover? Am I correct? The the, the yeah. title. How was how is that working in a, in a film? You know, in a feature feature film, like being a main character. You know, you, are you able to turn it on and off when you're training? When you're acting? How how what type of actress are you? Um, I'm an all around actress. You know. Um... You give me a part, I'm pretty sure I can play it, no problem. Um, but I'm definitely a lot tougher in training than, you know, on film or even on set. I'm just like a sweeter person, you know, always smiling, quiet. And then when people see my background, they're like, oh, my God, this is all the stuff you do. You fight. Jeez, you don't even look it. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what I like to give off to anyways, you know, trick people into I'm an actor, so I could play all these different parts. What's yeah. your What's your favorite type of role to play? Um, I would love. I don't think I've gotten it yet, to be honest. But I would love to play in like a really dramatic, where there's crying type of film because I think my dramatic side is very good. You have a good dr dramatic side. You good? Yeah, like I can right. definitely fake cry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what other projects are, are you there any project that out right now that you're working on? I mean, obviously you're training, so it's kind of, how do you juggle the two? So 
you know, a lot of people in the acting world, they're always like, hey, you can't act and fight because your face is your money. And I'm like, I get it. I know. So I got to be very cautious if I am filming during the time of fighting, which it mm -hmm. has crossed paths. And then the director's like, you have bruises everywhere. And I'm like, okay, let's just put makeup. I'll cover it up. It's okay. <laughs> but they're obviously not the happiest. Um, <laughs> but I work around it. Uh, now, actually, thankfully, I am, I got a part with um, my dad in some commercial. So it's a father-daughter duo. It's a fun thing. And I'm going to end up filming that after the fight. So now in my head, stay away from my face completely. You know, a lot of head movement. Going to make sure I don't get touched at all. And you got to take the fight to the ground. So then you really have, don't have any threat of the ground pound. So there you go. I get I it. This. I, need to, I need to end it. Let's end it quick. I'm going to, you know, do what I got to do. How how long do you think what what do you think uh the how do you think the fight's gonna go? How quick do you think you're gonna end it quick? My plan in my head is to end it as fast as possible. You know, sometimes I think, hey, I just sold X amount of tickets to my family and friends, and like, should I end it as fast or should I keep it going, put on a show, da da da? But you know, at the end of it, as fast as possible is better for me. Like, why not? Let's just boom, get it out of the way. What, uh, how, how do you see it going as far as do you see a submission? Do you see what, what is you tell you if, if I don't knock the, the girl out, then yeah, it'll be a submission. But you want to knock her out. My goal is to knock her out. I love it. This is awesome. Fight, <laughs> fight TV this Saturday. What do you know? What, uh, do you know what, what, what time your, uh, your schedule to fight? I am the 10th fight out of 33 um a lot of fights this time yeah. because you know covid uh and if everything goes as planned maybe either around five or six o'clock i should be on very cool do you now you said you get nervous you get a little jittery and stuff like that do you what's your on fight night what are you planning to do do you plan on like you know taking a nap do you do you plan on like or are you walking around do you there's a routine that you you have yeah, um, with any competition, with anything, you know, I need to take serious and like really get nervous about, I need to focus. I wear my uh, favorite chain. I don't have it on right now, but I do wear my favorite chain. Um, I feel like it brings me peace of mind. And I read a book every time that I have a big competition. I read a book. It's called, what is it called? Oh, Finding, Finding Your Zone. It's really good and it helps me to like, helps you just concentrate and make like what you your dreams into reality you know like believe it achieve it you know it's all gonna happen just you really got to believe it and speak it into existence you know so I do that I read the book and then I just chill out take a bath <laughs> maybe before chill out get in my zone I tell people don't talk to me really I'm gonna ignore everything you say anyways just let me focus and that's always, I mean, I, I never fought, never, never did anything like that, but I was a musician. So that's usually how I did before shows. I'm like, I'm in a zone. I literally don't want to be around anybody. Like I'm just thinking about the set. I'm thinking about what I'm doing. I don't really want to talk to you right now. So let me go and, you know, I'll be in the back doing whatever I got to do. And then once I get, once I get off stage, it's a different story. Right, right. So I get that. Uh, Sophia, anything else that you want to promote yourself? Anything that's coming up um, that you're working on? um no i'll promote uh, my school's uh rising sun 
uh, Team Rising Sun Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, the instructor is Dennis Malone. Um, he's a wonderful guy. The place is home to me. That is my home. And, you know, come over. It's in Richfield Park. Uh, yeah, it's all good. That's awesome. So, Sofia Salgado, again, this Saturday, Saturday, June 19th on Fight TV. But you also, is it tickets still available for, for uh, Ring of Combat? Yes, tickets are definitely still available. And I'm pretty sure at the door, they'll still be selling tickets. Um, it is in an amphitheater outside. So they did that. So like, you know, as many people could go. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Sophia, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate that. This is awesome. And let's definitely do it again after the fight or before your next film or whatever it is. I love to promote stuff. Okay. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I mean, it's cool. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's different. I mean, I usually, it's funny because we talked to Eric Anders, who is more, I don't have time for anything else, but fighting like that's what i do now i just watch everything any type of fight i'm watching and i'm a fan of fighting i fight myself but i'm also a fan of fighting and then you got sophia who's just, just like yeah i'm you know i couldn't tell you who's on a main card i couldn't tell you much i'm just i'm gonna sit there and i'm more of an entertainer but yet i like to kick ass so when i get a chance i'll get on the cage or the ring and just beat somebody up so it's very cool Next week, I will have some interesting guests. It's not all it's not all MMA. It's not all, but it's all personalities, that's for sure. Um, I will let you know a little bit later on who's coming on, but they should be fun. And thank you again for listening. Enjoy the fights this weekend. And enjoy the weekend. Let's go, Mets. Let's uh, let's keep uh, going in first place. Stick in first place. I mean, that's nice. I like it. First place, Mets. Not a bad thing. Uh, at the Hoff WFAN, at the Fight Fan WFAN, at the uh, what is it? At the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman, everywhere else on social media, WFAN.com and the Odyssey app. I will see you guys next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.